Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. So in today's um, show we are going to be talking about some of the latest news in health and um, just to start off I am your host today my name is Elliot and join with me in our virtual studio we have Erica we have Doug and we have Tiffany. So welcome to the show guys. Hello. Hi. not to forget, we also have Damien on the wheels of steel, um, and he's going to be helping out with some of the tech today. So, in this Hello. week's show, we're going to be um, we're going to be looking at various stories that kind of um, popped up in the news over the past couple of weeks or so, which kind of caught our attention. <clears throat> and there's going to be lots of topics that we'll talk about today. Um, but to start off, we're going to be looking at one of these crazy stories and this is something that you don't really come across very often in fact i've never heard of something so kind of extreme as this and um yeah so there's this really strange occurrence of um it was posted on rt and it's up on sop but uh the article is titled women who cry woman who cries crystals instead of tears baffles doctors so there's a woman in armenia and she's only young she's 22 years old and um it was a case where she was in her dentist's office and initially she felt like she got some dust in her eyes or something like that um and then her eyes started kind of becoming inflamed she started noticing itching and things like that and her family originally suspected that she she had somehow gotten a shard of glass uh, lodged in her eyelid. Uh, but it turns out that she has kind of baffled doctors since then because this unfortunate woman has she she is now actually crying out crystals so instead of tears from a tear ducts she's actually excreting what look like little shards of glass and this is up to 50 um crystals coming out of her eyes every single day um so mm. damien do you have the do you have the video of this so that we can show show the audience yeah let's put it on That's enough of it, because the rest of it's all in Armenian. <laughs> yeah. There's subtitles. <laughs> yeah, it's they're Armenian as well. I think. I think they're Russian subtitles actually. They don't show well, any crystal close-ups. They maybe actually maybe yeah, they did there show is. that. Yeah. There is. I think that's. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. Oh no. Yeah. Is, she, like is that for real? It looked the, real, man. Did she fill one of those up a day or something? Yeah, so there was 50 pieces, 50 shards, which have been coming out of her eyes and kind of filling up that little bucket on a daily basis. And that's how big they are. How are her eyeballs not completely just sliced up? I mean, that's exactly what I thought as well. Um, (laughs) I think the eyeball, it looks a a lot more... um, 
uh, I think it's more resilient than than you would think by looking at it. You know, I think the the encasing of the eye is actually quite tough, um, but still, mm. you you wouldn't you wouldn't. But that much every day for how long? Yeah, I don't know. The shards yeah. didn't look sharp in particular. Like they looked like they were kind of maybe a little bit more rounded or smooth on on the edges, but it's still like it's it's crazy. Like looking at that video, there's but, definitely stuff coming out of her eyes. I don't know. Like, it, I guess it could be fake, and they just stuck it in there, or like, I don't know. Yeah, can you know the discomfort of having an eyelash caught in your eye? Imagine those shards of crystals in her eye all day long for I don't know how long. Yeah, several days in a row at least. It's completely and bizarre. In, yes, in, in, it's bizarre. It's said that, you know, she's been to see several doctors who specialize in the uh, ophthalmology, which is the study of the eyes. She's been to many other kind of specialists, and no one really knows exactly what is going on. Um, but in the report, it, it says that she's left in near constant agony. So to answer mm-hmm. your question, Tiff, I mean, she says it's causing her a lot of pain. In her own words... She says that now my every day has turned to hell, right? Mm-hmm. So um, essentially it kind of came out of nowhere. And now she's she's crying out crystals. So what apparently what they've done is they've sent off the crystals for analysis. Um, but I can't see anything that's been followed up since then. So I would be really interested to know exactly what these crystals are composed of yeah and because this is something mm-hmm. that you don't really hear of at no. all um and the only the only thing that i've ever heard of which is in any way similar to this is in some of the cases of people who have severe oxalate toxicity who actually start excreting oxalate from the eyelid I mean that does seem to happen but i've never seen any crystals which are quite as large as this yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of people passing crystals in their urine, mm-hmm. but out of their tear ducts. Yeah, it's a very strange story. Well, I mean, there is a precedent for people passing oxalate crystals out of their eyes, right, Elliot? You were saying? Yeah, yeah. So it does seem to be the case that there's a lot of um, kind of uh, whatever comes out in the eye it crystallizes and it does seem to be related to people who have these oxalate issues whether it's actually oxalates coming out of the eye or not i don't know Mm. i think in the genetic condition um primary hyperoxaluria that does happen so they have analyzed those crystals and they do know that oxalate can come out the skin in the eye uh, like the tear duct but i don't think it's Mm. quite as um, the crystals are quite as large as they are in this video. I mean, this these are pretty big. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's weird. I, it makes me wonder, like, <clears throat> excuse me, where are these crystals actually forming? Like, are they forming in the eyelid? Like, is that where they're actually, you know, because you have to think that it's, if it was oxalate or any even any kind of crystal, like, obviously the little bits would kind of have to come together and crystallize somewhere and that's not Mm -hmm. really gonna fit anywhere like the size of those freaking crystals like they would so they must actually be forming like between the eye and the eyelid or something and then they're actually having to take them out it's amazing that they are like they must it must happen quite quickly too 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that it hasn't caused blindness or yeah. just a major impairment of her vision. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. really one of those crazy stories. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the moral of the story is. <laughs> just that you, be, you should be thankful that, you know, you're not forming crystals in the eyes because it looks pretty painful. <laughs> yeah. um, but you should also yeah. be thankful that you've got your vision, right? Yeah. So those of us who actually have... Um, that that can see out of our eyes, we should be thankful for that because there are people, if they don't follow the right nutritional recommendations and they kind of neglect their health, then you can actually lose your eyesight. And that has been uh, demonstrated by a recent story which came out a couple of weeks ago in the media and it got some attention. And it was of a quite a young boy... um, I think he was early teens. What is it? Was I he... think it was 18. Was 15? Oh, yeah, maybe 18. Right, so he's 18 years old, and this guy lived on a diet primarily of uh, French fries, so chips. Um, what else did he eat? He used to eat processed sausages, and I think it was a certain type of bread. Yeah, like white bread. White yeah. bread. White bread. So essentially, a diet which was primarily beige in color and ultra processed <laughs> and nutrient deplete. So this guy, his diet was, you know, the epitome of of this term high calorie malnutrition, whereby, mm-hmm. um, and this this is really the case for um, anyone who eats a diet which is ultra processed, because we, when we eat things like um, chips, French fries bread, all of these things, essentially what they are, they are dense in energy. So they're dense in fat or carbohydrate, but they're very low in micronutrients, such as the vitamins, such as the minerals, and all of the other things that you find in whole foods. And so what happens is, is we develop a state of high calorie, meaning that we're getting lots of energy, malnutrition malnutrition referring to the complete lack of essential nutrients that actually allow us to not only metabolize the energy or metabolize the calories for energy but also are really essential for how the nervous system and really every other system is functioning and so if you look at this case this this guy essentially went blind and he went deaf so what they're theorizing is that <clears throat> this state of chronic malnutrition has led to a state where his nervous system or the nerves which are leading up to the eye have perhaps become damaged. There has been some kind of nerve damage um, and I guess uh, something similar going towards the, the ear. And this is kind of manifested as um, yeah, a loss of sight and a loss of hearing, unfortunately. Now, the interesting thing about this story was that this kid didn't necessarily look like he was sick from the outside. So this guy had a normal mm. BMI. He he um, had a normal height for his age. So it was, it was not like he was, um, you know, stunted in his growth, as you would see in other countries where malnutrition is more common. Um, and it's not like he looked skinny or he looked obese or anything like that he looked fairly normal but actually it kind of demonstrates how if you persist on a diet full of ultra processed crap then you can very much 
um, become malnourished. And it can be very difficult to spot that from the outside. Yeah. I saw an update on this story, actually, where the mother was blaming the NHS, which is the health service, um, the government health service in in England, um, for her son's malnutrition, saying that they should have caught it earlier and that the NHS failed them. And that if they, if the NHS knew what they were doing, then the uh, the kid would still have his sight because they would have given him like a, a, a vitamin A shot, and that would have saved his vision. I think that's how's she gonna put the blame on them? Exactly, right? <laughs> like seriously, like you know, you're the you're the mother in the situation. How are you gonna blame she the government? She bought the food. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, she said that. Oh yeah, the kid would have a temper tantrum if I had uh, tried to feed him anything else. But I mean. The guy was like, you know, started to develop this like malnutrition signs at the age of 15. This, the update to the story, he was 18. So, I mean, even a 15 year old kid, if your kid is having temper tantrums when you try to feed him anything, like, okay, if he's an infant and he's screaming when you try to give him some, you know, some meat or some broccoli or something like that, okay, fine. You know, little kids are like that. But 15, like, seriously? I don't know. I think uh, this is. I, I think that this is. Uh, you know, maybe a bit of damage controls. She's trying not to look like the worst mm-hmm. parent in the world for 2019. Well, I think that maybe this kid is kind of like the canary in the the coal mine, mm-hmm. because if you think about it, French fries, white bread, processed meat, crisps, or potato chips. I mean, that sounds like. In some parts of the world, you're lucky if you could get that much food or that much variety of food in a day. But it's not that, it's kind of limited compared to the range of junk foods that a lot of people in Western countries, especially maybe America, eat. So you can only imagine the state, the inner state of most people, random people that you might see on the street, like say, you know, a poor person or a homeless person or, you know, just people who eat fast food every single day. And I know people like that. You can only imagine what their innards look like and what their future might hold once they hit like their 40s or 50s. So this kid, you know, he's probably particularly sensitive to the effects of a really crappy diet. But I think that he's you know, can be held as an example of where most people who don't take care with their diets in the West are going to end up sooner rather than later. I think this kid might have, and I've met people like this before who have this kind of, I don't know if it's a condition or or a preference or what it is, but they can only Mm -hmm. seem to eat really bland foods. Like anything Mm -hmm. that has any kind of strong flavor to it, they're really like, really turned off by it and just looking at what the kid's diet consisted of it seems like it was like super bland like white bread potato chips french fries like that's all Mm -hmm. very kind of bland not overly flavorful kinds of foods um like even the sausage and ham like yeah there's more flavor to it but it's not you know it's not like it doesn't have any kind of strong flavors like there's no bitterness yeah. or sweetness or, or anything to it really it's kind of just like salt and starch for the most part so i used to eat potatoes microwave potatoes and butter mm. would be a meal and yeah. then 
peas and rice would be a meal. <laughs> and I ate a lot of that when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're referring to him having basically like an eating disorder. What did they call it? Uh, avoidant restricted, restrictive food intake disorder. Have mm-hmm. you guys ever heard of that? That it's a it's an actual eating disorder. Um, Just a fancy way of saying picky eater. Yeah. <laughs> super picky eater. Super super picky eater. Yeah. It's not only spice, like you were saying, Doug, but also texture was a thing. And it, all those foods yeah. that you mentioned are really like a very kind of bland, run-of-the-mill texture. Even yeah. ham and, you know, it's it could be anything. Yeah. Did yeah. they say anything about this guy being uh, on the spectrum or having any kind of mental problems? Because it doesn't sound like he's all there in the head. <laughs> I think I didn't see anything about, uh, but there's, it seems like there's always more backstory than is reported in the actual news article. Yeah. Yeah. There's there probably is a backstory and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe there is some kind of genetic predisposition toward, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of a sensitivity to certain nutrient deficiencies or something. Mm -hmm. And that it's kind of reared its ugly head quite early on for him. Um, But then for me, the most important part about this story is kind of is that someone can be very low in in these in these nutrients. I mean, obviously, from eating a diet like this, but it can go under the radar. um, And perhaps if 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 the if the manifestation wasn't quite as severe as a complete loss of sight, then it may have never been picked up. Right, it, mm-hmm. it may have manifested as depression or as OCD. I mean, it sounds like you already had some OCD, mm-hmm. but um, but it may have manifested as anything else that wasn't quite as as kind of severe as as complete loss of sight, but that instead he might have been medicated, right? Because there's many people who do persist on a diet like this for for much longer period of time, as you said, Tiff, um. And in fact, for them, the effects may be a little bit more insidious. They may not mm-hmm. get the wake-up call that this guy had. I mean, he, apparently he hasn't even changed his diet. They've put him on a multivitamin oh. and things. But he hasn't even <laughs> changed his diet. Seriously? So, yeah, apparently. So it must be pretty severe. But um, but but really, this this is how nutrient deficiencies kind of present themselves. They cause many different kinds of illnesses. Um, and mm. that... Uh, unfortunately in our modern world these things would get medicated when in fact yeah. if if they actually if if our medical system was was geared up toward identifying these chronic nutrient deficiencies or insufficiencies getting them earlier on or even identifying them in various different types of pathology the world would be a much better place and actually there would be a much less of a burden on the healthcare system um and yeah, it's it's very unfortunate that 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 it can get to this point ultimately, um, because mm-hmm. I think that he's not the only one. I would imagine that actually um, there are many like him, which which haven't been picked up. Mm. Yeah, I bet that's true. Well, I mean, it's all a spectrum, right? I think any kid out there right now if you were to really analyze their diets they're probably going to be severely deficient in something 
Um, <laughs> I mean, it seems like in this day and age, actually eating properly is like a revolutionary act, more or mm-hmm. less. It's like it's not. Uh, it's it's much more rare to find uh, somebody who's actually eating a healthy diet these days than someone who isn't. And if you look at his diet, I mean, he ate some sausage, right? He ate a bit of sausage, but it was processed. So it has a lot of a lot of the goodness probably taken out of it. But, I mean, looking at, at his diet, it was predominantly plant-based, right? It was predominantly mm-hmm. plant-based. And you yeah. could say, well, it was processed, and it was processed. But it was predominantly plant-based as well. And so um, it's not only just processed diets that, that can cause deficiencies and it, it actually seems to be whole food diets as well so if there are you can have a, a supposedly healthy diet which is packed full of whole foods but essentially if you're not getting the right nutrients then you're going to be in a situation where you can cause some damage to your body specifically your brain so there was a, a research paper which or it was more of a, a an opinion paper, I think, by a PhD uh, research nutritional scientist in the UK not long ago. It was at this, the end of August. It was actually coming out, and um, and the author of the paper was warning that vegan and plant-based diets um, could potentially worsen people's brain health due to insufficient amounts of one of the supposedly non-essential nutrients, which is called choline. Okay, mm-hmm. so choline was originally thought to be one of the B vitamins, and it, it acts very much like a B vitamin, um, but essentially choline is one of those nutrients that the body can synthesize to some extent um, in, in, in vivo, which means that your body can produce small amounts of it itself. And you do this via a couple different pathways, but you're using an amino acid called methionine. So theoretically, according to nutritional science, if you have enough of this amino acid methionine and you have a couple of other nutrients, then you can make your own choline. And so this was never classified as a vitamin because vitamins are by their definition, they are essential, meaning that you need to get them from the diet in their um, in their primary form. Choline is considered non-essential and therefore it cannot be considered a vitamin. But that is a highly debated topic because whilst the body can produce some choline, there is a wide variety of individual differences. So certain genetic predispositions or what we call genetic polymorphisms such as um, the PEMT gene or the SNP, Uh, in the PEMT gene, and there's a couple of other genes which are involved in how you make choline. What this essentially means is that certain people have a better ability to make choline than other people. And the people who, who have higher requirements, they can't make as much themselves endogenously in their own body, by definition, need to get more from the diet. And so choline is... Um, a nutrient which is found in very high amounts in red meat, in egg yolks, in organ meats, in certain vegetables and certain legumes like, um, if I remember correctly, lentils have some choline in. And you have um, some of the things like broccoli and whatnot. They're very minimal amounts, but ultimately 
you're getting them in higher you're getting it in higher amounts from animal foods now the problem is is that on a vegan or a plant-based diet if someone has this predisposition toward low choline synthesis in the body then it's very possible that these people could be running a choline deficiency and i mean even in the context of someone who has so-called good genetics so some people may have what you call a, a perfect set of genetics in in um in relation to choline metabolism but there are certain scientists such as dr emma derbyshire the, the author of this paper who would say that in fact choline you are always going to need to get a lot from the diet and the, the amount that you make in your body is never going to be sufficient to mm. support brain health well the interesting thing about that is that um well interesting it's kind of ironic really because one of the the um things that can uh, happen with a choline deficiency is that you start to get fatty liver because uh, choline is actually needed to transport fat from the liver um and one of the things that i read all the time um is like people giving advice on if you have fatty liver one of the best diets to get rid of that is a vegan diet or a plant-based mm. diet and it's it's rather ironic that um, these diets are deficient in choline Yet there's so many experts out there, I'll put that in air quotes, experts out there who are telling you that, oh, you've got fatty liver? I guess you better uh, better go on a vegan diet. It's, um, well, experts, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. Co- choline is is just, if you look at what it does in the liver, it's it's very, very essential for the liver. So it's actually one of the things which lines the, the hepatocytes, the liver cells, um, it, you you turn it into a phospholipid, phosphatidylcholine, and phosphatidylcholine is lining those cell membranes, and it's actually helping us to export fats, but also to export bile acids. So it helps in detoxification of xenobiotics such as environmental toxins, <clears throat> and also other um, endogenous metabolites that we need to get out into the bile and through the liver. Sorry, through the gut and through the kidneys. But, it, but especially in the brain, right? So choline is making up the cell membranes of the neurons. It's essential for the myelin sheath. It's essential for how our neurotransmitters are synthesized and how we are conducting or sending messages down through the neurons, through nerve pathways, and actually essentially to light up the brain, allow the brain to do what it needs to do. And there's lots of research showing that if you supplement animals or even humans with phosphatidylcholine or choline, then that is improving memory, improving brain function, improving cognition and all of these things. And so is it any wonder that actually you go on plant-based and vegan diets, which these days are usually ultra-processed in and of themselves because it's almost impossible to get enough protein on a vegan diet without having to consume some sort of processed garbage like the Beyond Burger or like corn (laughs) or like hydrolyzed soy protein. So um, is it any wonder why these diets are are going to worsen brain health? Um, And I don't know if there's much research showing um, anything like that per se, or there is some, but I I don't know of much. Um, But I I honestly am am just waiting for for the research to come out over the next couple couple of years or even couple of decades demonstrating 
how inferior vegan diets are for human um for human physiology essentially right yeah well if you look on youtube at all of the ex-vegan videos that are floating around one thing that a lot of those people have in common is that they're always reporting brain fog or trouble concentrating or feeling stupid or not being able to you know, form complete sentences like their brains are not working correctly. And once they eat meat, they say that it feels like their brain woke up and yeah. it's not asleep anymore. Anne Hathaway said that, the actress. Yeah. Anne Hathaway said mm-hmm. that she was be- vegan for a long time and then she was out at a restaurant with some of her fancy friends, no doubt, and they were pressuring <laughs> her to try some kind of meat. And she was kind of like, well, okay, I'll try it. And she did it and she said like it felt like her brain felt like a computer rebooting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And now the the typical response from a vegan or vegetarian, if they heard that, and I think that this particular study did get quite a lot of um, quite a lot of criticism, mm-hmm. and there was a bit backlash from the plant based communities. Um, and they might, of course, cite, yeah, <laughs> they might cite a bunch of kind of epidemiological or observational literature. Um, pointing out correlations between heart disease and eating meat and various other um, health conditions with meat eating and how supposedly healthy plant-based diets really are. But funnily enough, there was actually a fairly low-quality study, so I will preface it with this, is that there was, um, I think it was an epidemiological study that came out again at the end of October, early September, pointing out something which kind of goes against the narrative of plant-based diets, showing that vegans and vegetarians actually may have a higher risk of stroke. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Really, this is kind of in line with what we were just talking about, about how the brain needs choline, but it's not only related to choline. I mean, to say that choline is the only nutrient that might be deficient on a vegan diet is an abomination. Because, in fact, there are probably 12 to 13 nutrients that are very difficult to obtain on a plant-based diet. And that involve, that includes carnosine, that involves active B6, it involves zinc, vitamin B12, um, creatine, um, DHA. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, carnitine. Yeah, carnitine, <laughs> uh, vitamin A in its active form. I mean, iron, vitamin D. Iron, did you say vitamin D? Vitamin D. That. I mean, we're, we're already on 10, right? And that's yeah. just... <laughs> Off that, the top of the head. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, is it any wonder why we are starting to see research coming out that might start implicating... It's not very PC, not very politically correct, but it's got to come out at some point. Now, sorry, what were you going to say, Doug? No, I was just going to say in this article... Um, that um, we had, I mean, a lot of different uh, places were covering this, but Damien, I think I sent you one that was uh, from the BBC. Second uh, message I sent you. Uh, Canadian Youth something? No, no, no. BBC.com. Vegans vegans and vegetarians may have a higher stroke risk. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the only reason I wanted you to pull it up um, was just because in that article, I, I found it really interesting that... Um, they're kind of interviewing a lot of people who are kind of saying, well, yes, but, 
you know, this wasn't a very high quality study. It was only an epidemiological study. And um, we don't know that this is uh, necessarily true. But these are the same people. I mean, not literally the same people, but the same types of people from the same sorts of institutions who are using these same quality of studies to implicate meat in things like colon cancer and heart disease and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these different things. So it's just really, it seemed really, um, well, enraging more than anything else to say that um, on the one hand, uh, we can use epidemiological studies or low quality studies basically to implicate meat as causing all these different diseases. But when they find something uncomfortably true about the vegan diet, suddenly these studies aren't good enough. Um, so <laughs> if anybody wants to read through that, if they, if you want to get mad, um, you could read through that article and, uh, you know, scream at your computer a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's completely ironic that, isn't it? Um, one one rule works for for them, and another rule works works for others. Exactly. Uh, fortunately, when something comes out that 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 conflicts with their beliefs or conflicts with the narrative they're trying to um, convey, then um, then any argument is game, right? So yeah, exactly. That's what we it's need just to underhanded, really. Exactly. So okay, this study not the best quality. But I would not be surprised based on the sheer amount of testimonials coming out um, of people on plant-based diets, people who I work with personally who are recovering from plant-based diets. Um, generally, their health improved drastically when they incorporate more animal foods. One other thing about this article that drove me nuts is it, – and it's so typical of like they're, they're quoting a, a dietitian. And they basically say that, uh, what was it here? They said, the message for everyone is it makes sense to have a well-planned diet and to eat a wide variety of foods. And it's <laughs> like, it's like what, where, does this, where are you getting that from? It's like that, doesn't, that wasn't implicated in this diet. We don't know that these vegans and vegetarians weren't eating a well-planned diet with a variety of foods. It's, it's, it's just like they, they just spit out this like nonsense, like this non-advice. Eat a balanced diet. Oh, thanks. That's very helpful. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's so open to different interpretations, no specifics yeah. whatsoever. I think they're just saying that because they don't know exactly what to say. <laughs> yeah. So they say That's something exactly that sounds it. good, and the person that they say it to can just go home and feel good about themselves just because they eat an apple every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm eating a variety of foods. Uh, some, day, <laughs> some nights I go with Frito-Lays. Other nights I go with Doritos. <laughs> Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. On the on the on the topic of of using poor quality studies to, um, you know, to I guess to come up with national public health policy, uh, which is what we're seeing with the with the anti meat agenda and really the pl pro plant based agenda. It's like right, okay, so these people have an idea of what is healthy, or they they have an idea of what they want us to believe is healthy, and. Okay, putting out some public recommendations and stuff. Yeah, it's not great, but people still have the decision. You know, they still have individual free will. They can still make their own choices. And if they want to eat plant-based, then they can try that. If they want to eat meat, then they can do that as well. 
And that's not all that bad. But ultimately, when you start enforcing that on people, that's when it gets really dangerous. And this is what we're seeing. And in fact, they're doing it to the most vulnerable in society in terms of vulnerable to the detrimental effects of eating a plant-based diet. And that is developing children. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what they've done now in the UK, based on this nonsense, based on a variety of recommendations which have been based on crappy epidemiological data in 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 uh, promoting plant-based diets, they have now um, enforced plant-based diets on children um, in some of the schools in the UK. So there is one called the Swan School, and this is in Oxford, and this offers vegetarian only lunches for the children and okay someone might argue that if the children don't want to eat vegetarian lunches well they can bring their own lunches right well actually you would be wrong because (laughs) simultaneously this 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 school has not only banned um meat from the, from their ca- cafeteria so so they've not only forced children to have vegetarian lunches at the school but they have also prohibited children from bringing in their own pat lunches so in that sense they have prohibited meat from that school mm-hmm. so the children have no choice right yeah that's uh it's unbelievable that they would pull something like this um i mean it's you know and it's only because they are backed by this kind of ideology of doing the right thing that they can get away with something like this. Because realistically, you know, any school that's forcing a child to eat a particular diet, you know, that that shouldn't be allowed. You know, and, and mm-hmm. 10 years ago, if you tried to say that, you know, that's like that's what you do in prison, right? Like you, you, you don't let um, the prisoners have any food other than what's being served in the cafeteria actually but still if you have people bringing you stuff in i think i think they can still get away with that but uh mm-hmm. so it's worse than prison these kids are eating a diet worse than prison so well and another thing that makes us even more infuriating is the reason that they say that the kids can't bring in their own packed lunch because they want to uh have everybody eating in a family style where they eat together at the same table and engage in conversations and lay the table and serve the food and tidy up at the end of the meal. There's nowhere in that that says that everybody has to be eating the same thing. Yeah. Like you go out to dinner with your friends and family, you don't all order the same thing on the menu. Like if you (laughs) order spaghetti and your your grandpa orders steak, he's not going to kick you out of the table and say you can't sit here anymore because (laughs) – you didn't order the steak. It's, it's just so ridiculous and it's so controlling. And I mean, if you don't see through what they're doing, you're you're blind. Well, I think that despite the virtue signaling, I think that a lot of the motivation is probably cost because cheap mm-hmm. garbage vegetarian food, like with, you know, soy, tofu, corn, that's corn with a Q. Um, you know, vegetables are cheaper than meat. It's as simple as that, you know, and if you're getting your protein source from like, you know, peas and beans, that's a lot cheaper than actually buying meat. So it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the impetus behind this, other than virtue signaling, of course, is, um, cost. They're just, they're just being ridiculously cheap and they could feed these kids super cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they're also yeah. pushing pushing that agenda by by you know here in the United States with the meat free Mondays too. So yeah, you know that this hip cool you're you know just like everything you guys been talking about already is it's just kind of grist for the propaganda to just <laughs> you know kill people's brain cells i don't know <laughs> well yeah. i mean you if you think of the whole purpose of schools and indoctrination with whatever ideals the state considers important of course, they're going to get them while they're young. They always get them while they're young. That's one of their main tactics, whoever they are, in air quotes. Whatever they want to indoctrinate people with, it's always best to start when they're a youngster. Because those brain cells are still forming. Whatever they take on as a youth is going to stay with them very firmly throughout their entire lives. And plus, they're going to be all deficient in choline and not be able to form those brain cells anyway. So, Yeah. Well, and it's interesting how this article was written. What was it? Oxford Mail. Like it's this huge success that 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 Oxford has had yeah. this success model that's taking over. And what is it? Even Jamie Oliver was mentioned in it. Like it's the cool hip thing to do. You know, you you're gonna shun meat. Yeah. Everyone's well, they did say there was one. Idea. Oh, sorry. They did say oh, there was so one parent who was. Uh, complaining that her daughter was coming home hungry and that she had talked to other parents and they also said they were coming home hungry. Like, is it, is it really a surprise you feed a kid a bunch of empty vegetarian food and like, they're going to come home hungry. Of course they are. And then they're going to go home and eat like pepperoni sticks and like whatever else. Burgers, ham, ham, <laughs> ham and sausage ham and French fries and crisps <laughs> <laughs> like that blind kid. <laughs> 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 but at least you're eating five servings right? Yeah. <laughs> vegetable like substances yeah yeah i'm uh i'm thinking that those kids uh are probably gonna end up with really bad teeth hey speaking of teeth there's uh <laughs> there was another piece in the news recently that was talking about a new gel that people are researchers are kind of working on that actually allows teeth to repair themselves. It's apparently mm. um, has kind of micro crystals of um, calcium and potassium, I believe it was phosphorus. Phosphorus, sorry. And um, apparently the the teeth actually end up kind of healing the um, the enamel by uh, kind of incorporating those minerals into the teeth. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, and it's good news for vegans, I'd say. Yeah. You lose your teeth, you can just replace them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of those uh, videos, you know, especially the ones that that Sverage guy, who, you know, I'm not endorsing in any way, but he puts together some good, like, um, compilations of malnourished vegans, and the mm -hmm. teeth on some of those people is absolutely atrocious. Um, so yeah. I can see that this would be like a bestseller in the vegan community. As long as it's vegan, as long as there's no animal product in this tooth gel, <laughs> that would be the ultimate irony if it wasn't vegan. One one thing that's probably not good for the teeth is um, drinking too much alcohol. Mm. Right? <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> so well, one reason that it would be bad for the teeth is because all the bar fights you get into. So you get punched <laughs> in the mouth a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 
<laughs> I know I lost so many teeth back in the day. And... <laughs> From bar fights? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, alcohol is, is not good for the teeth in many ways. Um, but um, but it's, it's also not good for the human body in general, I think. When, when it's consumed in, in high enough quantities... Um, it, it's interesting that it's actually still one of those legal things, but there was a study in Australia, right? And they've actually come out and kind of concluded that alcohol, out of all of the other drugs, and I don't know if they, yeah, I mean, they were even looking at prescription drugs. And this is quite interesting. They were even looking at like prescription opioids, methadone, heroin, yeah, yeah, they were looking at lots of different things, both both um, pharmaceuticals and the recreational drugs. And they actually came to the conclusion that alcohol should really be classified as um, the, the, the drug that causes the most overall harm to human beings. Um, yeah. And now I think that they, it was quite a, let me just get it up, but, if I remember correctly, it was quite a long-term study, right? And, um... <clears throat> oh, where are the details? What did you guys think of this study? Well, it's certainly interesting. Um, yeah, basically... I think they... that... Sorry, go on, Erica. Oh, oh I was just going to say um, that... You know, what was interesting about it is that they had 25 different drug harm experts. So they had uh, frontline emergency service workers, policemen, addiction specialists, doctors, welfare, homeless sectors. So it wasn't just like a, a group of doctors sitting around, you know, making these assessments. They got a lot of information. And um, what they said was that alcohol was ranked by far the most dangerous drug to the Australian community, scoring 77 out of 100, only followed by crystal meth at 66, heroin at 58, and fentanyls at 51. So I, I think what was interesting about it, and you know, just as a concerned citizen, um, <laughs> is the fact that all these different people had input on it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you work as an emergency worker, you work as a policeman, like these people are dealing with really erratic behavior, uh, domestic violence, you know, all these things. So it, and it's a legal drug. So yeah. I wonder actually how much of that plays into the, it's, it's harm. Like the fact mm -hmm. that, you know, what they're assessing um, here, I'm not totally clear on how they, they, they determined it, but um the fact that it is legal, like I guess I'm, when I when I hear that, I'm kind of thinking like there's no way that alcohol is more harmful than say meth, right? But it might just mm -hmm. be because it is easily accessible. It's legal. Anybody over the age of I don't know where was this Australia? What is it in Australia? Yeah. Nineteen maybe. So anybody over the age mm -hmm. of nineteen can 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 get their hands on it. So it, it's prevalent. And it's socially sanctioned. It. Well, yeah, yeah. That's also part of the reason. No yeah. one looks at you like you're the scum of the earth just because you have a bottle of gin coming out of the... paper bag on the corner of the yeah. street. <laughs> yeah, out of the store versus if you tell them, yeah, I do meth on the weekends. <laughs> I'm a social meth user. <laughs> well, part of what they were doing was also kind of 
calculating the cost uh, to Australian communities mm. uh, uh, for, for alcohol. And they're saying it's about 6.8 billion an- annually compared with methamphetamine, which is about 5 billion. I mean, that's still pretty high. Yeah. 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 But um, they also said that alcohol is linked to over 60 physical illnesses, including seven forms of cancer and scored high rates of depression, anxiety, and brain injury. And not to say that crystal meth doesn't do those things, but yeah. crystal I don't know. meth is I don't know not if meth either. addicts. I don't know if meth addicts last long enough to develop cancer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either, but. I would say if alcohol is number one, then meth is a close second. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how it was ranked. Because yeah. meth ain't no joke either. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. I think, think the social aspect to this, the fact that it's socially acceptable um, is, well, in fact, I would say, I was going to say it, that, is likely related to how much of a problem that it causes. But in many communities, it doesn't cause that much harm, right? In in, in the mm-hmm. big scheme of things, if you if you right, if you compare the Brits, right, and you compare them to the French, and you look at the the, the effect that it has on British society, it's way more of an issue. For the Brits, I mean, the Brits are, are renowned globally for being what we call binge drinkers, mm-hmm. in that you have entire um, healthcare. The, the the NHS, the healthcare system, is overburdened at the weekends by binge drinkers on the streets. The police forces are overburdened at the weekends because there are so many violent attacks and so so much binge drinking, you know, late at night walking through the city. Whereas in France, uh, the, the, the alcohol consumption t- statistics, people are a lot tamer on it. Yeah. So I wonder mm-hmm. if there's anything specific to, I don't know anything about Australia specifically, um, as to, to how hard they go on it, like kind of thing. Um, my impression hard. is is that yeah they go hard. I think <laughs> they hard. they are more in line with the Brits than they are with the French. I'd say in Australia, right, if yeah. I if I had to guess. Well, yeah. wasn't it a penal colony where all the Brits got sent with yeah, misbehavior? Exactly. <laughs> so it's the worst behaved. Yeah, of all the Brits. so much for that stiff British upper lip. Like, yeah. sounds like when they get a few drinks on them, they just go they buck wild. Go, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that Paul Joseph Watson video I just watched on? Uh, degeneracy that's yeah. just showing mm-hmm. the kind of like the the streets crawling with drunken mayhem in, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's like you know I mean I think that goes in, on in like a lot of different major cities around the world but I think the, the Brits have kind of like taken the crown on that one yeah it's it's mm-hmm. particularly bad and um, yeah I think I think because because it is socially acceptable I think if if meth was socially acceptable it's it probably it would be number it, right? one. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it might not be that alcohol is more harmful than these drugs per se. It's mm-hmm. kind of more just the pervasiveness of it that kind of leads to that. That would be my guess anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, both alcohol and uh, meth come with, you know, if you have uh, 
a chronic alcoholic who all of a sudden stops drinking, there's certain precautions you have to take because you can die from a the withdrawals. And like if you're taking a bunch of methamphetamine, it can actually cause uh, muscle breakdown or rhabdomyolysis. And uh, they actually test people's uh, creatinine kinase levels in the ERs, and they can go up pretty, pretty high, showing that there's a, a lot of muscle damage. So your heart is a muscle too. So you know, you can take too much meth and actually kill yourself. You can drink too much alcohol and actually kill yourself. Mm. So, yeah, meth and alcohol are pretty awful, awful yeah. drugs. They pretty much are. Drink responsibly, kids, and use your meth responsibly as well. <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it also depends on your personality. I mean... Some people um, kind of relate the word spirits to actually becoming possessed by evil spirits when you drink. It's Everybody true. has met that evil, angry, drunk, one who's always getting into fights, getting into trouble, falling all over the streets, just making an ass of themselves. And then there's the meth head who turns into a complete monster and just starts running around the streets naked, just doing yeah. bizarre things. So, um yeah. Yeah, drugs yeah. are bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. Indeed. Well, maybe we should talk about what's going on in Switzerland as well. Won't uh, Just maybe uh, quickly, because I know we're coming up on the end of our time here. But uh, So in the news recently, the Swiss um, apparently are rebelling against the 5G rollout. Now... Um, without going into too much detail about what is wrong with 5G and why the Swiss would actually be protesting against that, you can always go to our previous video with Scott Ogren from Scotty's Tech.info. Uh, we interviewed him on a show a while back, and he was talking all about 5G, and just not just 5G, but Wi-Fi and other wireless technologies and all the <clears throat> potential negative health effects. And it seems like the Swiss are actually aware of these um, negative aspects of it um, and are, you know, kind of organized enough to um, actually protest it and come out against um, the rollout. Whereas the rest of the world, it seems like nobody can, uh, you know, everybody is just complaining that 5G isn't coming fast enough. Whereas mm -hmm. the Swiss are actually like together enough to understand that there are potentially very negative health effects from having this wireless, you know, just basically everywhere and be swimming in this wireless, um, these wireless signals um, that, yeah, could have really negative health effects. And so I, I was just actually really impressed with reading this, that they that there's like a significant amount of the population is actually against this. Um, whereas if you look in North America, I know in particular, like Canada and the U.S., everybody's like, yeah, 5G, I can't wait. They're all chomping at the bit because they can't wait to have their, you know, refrigerator talking to their toaster or whatever it is. <laughs> it's um, it's not a necessity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder what a, what makes the Swiss different in this regard. I don't know. They seem to be a little bit more aware they're a very armed populace too. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but they're like, you know, outside of the U.S., I think they're one of the, the countries that's kind of the most armed per capita kind of thing. Hmm. 
don't know. Okay. But anyway, I was I was I was in, I was impressed with the Swiss on that front. I'm not crazy yeah. about their cheese, but um, they know their, <laughs> they know their five G's. <laughs> and they know they don't want it. Yeah, exactly. So the question is, um, is it going to actually lead to them actually stopping the 5G? Well, they were saying in the article that um, they have stopped um, companies from putting up any 5G antennas, but that they don't have the authorization to stop them from converting 4Gs to 5G antennas. So the existing antennas can be converted to 5G. Um, whereas they, they just have, can't make any new ones. Exactly. Cause I guess they, they can argue mm-hmm. that the antennas are their property and they can do whatever the hell they want with them. Um, but they've, they've actually, it's, it's in Geneva specifically. I think they've actually said, okay, petitioners, please. Um, we're, we're, you know, ceding to your demands in a certain sense that we're not allowing any f- new 5g, um, uh, towers to go up. Um, until, like, you know, they're saying we're, we're delaying it until there can be some real hard science on whether or not it's actually safe or not. Now, that might just mm-hmm. be, like, stalling tactics that they'll then come out with these bogus studies saying, oh, yeah, it's no problem. Uh, this was funded by, you know, whatever cell company. Um, oh, yeah, no, it's safe. We checked. Um, yeah. Well, the thing I argue against is why do they have to wait and see you know, if there's any studies that will prove that 5G is safe. If the people just say that they don't want a certain thing, mm. they demand it, they're out in the streets, they're signing petitions, then they don't want it. Stop trying to force them and come up with some bogus studies in the future. Like, say, for instance, there's a strip club that's going to pop up in town and the people are protesting against that. You don't need further studies to say that strip clubs are bad (laughs) or strip clubs might be good. The people don't want it. So don't put it there. Yeah. That's a good it's point. It's all about the money, Tiffany. They don't care about <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Shoe make good money. <laughs> exactly. It's culture. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go Switzerland. Maybe they can yeah. keep out the five Gs. Maybe if they'll they set can. a precedent that they can follow, other countries can follow. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say, is that if they can set precedent, then it might give, you know, some people from another country a bit of inspiration Mm -hmm. actually to join together and and stick the finger to these (laughs) psychopaths who just have zero foresight and and really cannot even conceptualize the consequences of what might happen um, to humanity, to the world that they live in, to themselves if they expose themselves to this stuff. No one really knows. Um, and it's like maybe they should start listening to the people. Maybe people will group together and actually, um, you know, try and unite. Because quite frankly, I mean, it's just basic... Um, seems clear that if there was enough people if yeah if there was enough people who just said no then there there wouldn't be the resources to do this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's just the problem is is getting that critical mass is seems to be very very difficult to do in our day and age mm-hmm. yeah it's true people are more lured in by the um 
wonders, supposed wonders of 5G and all and the this... wonderful things that it's going to be able to do. You'll be able to stream yeah. video games, have instant access to movies. You know, do we really need like At faster the pool, cell networks? Or on the yeah. beach. Well, anywhere. Yeah. You need to be yeah. able to uh, to tell. You need to be able to turn on your toaster from your car and like all that kind of stuff. And you need your fridge mm-hmm. to tell you when you're running out of eggs. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, well, yeah. Um, right. Is that all we have? Well, we got more, well, but we're, more, we're but... yeah, we're going <laughs> we're going for for broke here on the time here. I think. Yeah, maybe we should save the rest. Yeah. For a to be continued. Oh, you don't yeah. you want to uh, do a little bit of Greta? Oh, do we want to go into Greta? <laughs> do we want to talk about Greta? Greta is everywhere right now. It's kind of like, do we really yeah. even want to go there? Well, you got to go where they're not going. <laughs> well, where, that's where true. are they not going? Well, we're, <laughs> we're being critical of Greta and everybody else thinks that she's the second coming of Christ. Well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you revealed that. <laughs> the ultimate truth, great thought is not Jesus. <laughs> I think that's true. Well, I mean, the thing we were going to talk about was the uh, teenage climate change protesters who have basically come out and said that they will not have any babies until the government does something about climate change. It was specifically Canadian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like of all the of all the people to say that they're not going to uh breed, maybe that's actually a good thing. <laughs> but I feel like we did a show about this like three months ago about the extinction rebellion. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about them. We've talked yeah. about Greta yeah, but, but this is specifically like 17-year-olds who are, are coming forward and pledging. It's Canadians mm-hmm. specifically. So they're pledging to not have any babies until Justin Trudeau takes away all the carbon. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you should scroll I... down to the picture of this girl. I don't think a lot of people are going to be knocking on her door to impregnate her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had to go there. <laughs> That was a low blow. It was a total but really, it's <laughs> so stupid. These people are so wrapped up in unreality; they have no idea what they're even talking about. Yeah. So they're going to like they're really going to keep this promise. And like, what exactly? What steps do people have to make to satisfy these people? Yeah, that's a good question. Because the, the fact of the matter is, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And that includes most of the experts that you see on the news and whatnot. You know, these mm-hmm. people, they don't know what they're talking about. So it's like, what they're going to set some kind of arbitrary bar that you have to hit before these guys will have babies? Yeah, it's an enormously complex field of study, right? Environmental science is, I mean, you've got astrophysics. You've got, you've got all of these different... Um, scientific disciplines falling under the umbrella of environmental science and you have PhD expert researchers who dedicate their whole life to studying minute details atmospheric changes and none of them agree about anything right Mm -hmm. so it's like if, if, if the experts can't even agree 
then how on earth can a 17-year-old teenager yeah. um, have, have any certainty about what is going on? You know, she may not, may not, they may not find the uh, answer to uh, climate change, but she might have the answer to stopping teen pregnancies. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't say she's not going to sleep with anybody, so I don't know. She just said she's not going to deliberately have any babies. But the thing is, the thing that they're, they're um, working on here is uh, there's a, um, some kind of movement called No Future, No Children. Or maybe it's hashtag mm-hmm. No Future, No Children. And so far, it has 4,874 people who have taken the pledge to not mm-hmm. have any babies until all the carbon is gone and all the plants die. But anyway, I thought it was interesting because on the, on the actual site... Um, the girl who started this whole thing, whose name is Emma Lim, um, I just wanted to say here, she says, I read the IPC, IPCC report last September and it terrified me. I'm only a teenager, so I've learned about climate change for as long as I can remember. I just thought mm-hmm. that that was interesting because that's basically what these kids are going through right now. They are being terrified with these stories, Mm -hmm. these horror stories of all the things that are going to go wrong because they're bad, because they, uh, you know, let out too much carbon, they eat too much Mm -hmm. meat. Like, it's it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, it's the same kind of thing that, uh, that Greta's story has too, that like, you know, she's this little girl who was terrified by all these stories of the end of the world that's coming because of all the terrible things that we do in the West, mm-hmm. you know, drive cars and eat burgers. So I just, I, I think like this, it's such a damaging ideology to mm-hmm. youngsters that uh, these yeah, people have blood on their hands as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, when I was a little girl, I was terrified by stories of the world ending or mm. nuclear disasters mm-hmm. and things like that. But I didn't go out and try to set public policy when I was <laughs> barely out of a training bra. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally and we're true. supposed to listen to these pimple-faced youths giving yeah. us marching orders and telling adults what to do in the realm of you know world politics and environmental policy? Come on. Yeah. That's the, whole, the world we live in. <laughs> the whole the whole narrative of this climate change thing is that the boomers, it's their fault because mm-hmm. they did absolutely nothing and they ate too many burgers and they drove too many cars and it's their fault and that they, um, they're to blame. So we kids are going to rise up and tell them what to do because they clearly <laughs> have screwed everything up. It's actually, it's really dangerous talk actually. And I wouldn't be surprised if it led to like violence and things like that and you know, they're skipping school yeah. now, but who knows what they're going to do next. Well. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah. does anyone else have anything to share? Before we wrap it up? Nope. Let's wrap it. Right, okay. Well, um, yeah, if that's everything... I think that that is the uh, the end of this week's show. So um, right, so for all of our audience, if you like the show or you found it helpful, please like and subscribe to our page. Um, you can find us on Facebook as Objective Health. Um, we are 
also on YouTube because you're watching this on YouTube. You can subscribe <laughs> if you like it, or if you really hated it, you can uh, drop a comment and um, and tell us what you think. We're we're on Brighton as well, huh? Brighton, Brighton, Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're also on Brighton. Okay, so um, and Twitter, and Twitter. <laughs> okay, follow us on Twitter. I think that's all <laughs> for now. <laughs> okay, then. So uh, yeah, thanks, for my hosts. Doug, Erica, and Tiff. I've been your host, Elliot, and thanks for Damien on the Wheels of Steel. Um, and see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya.